As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Hey, welcome back. And I want to start, obviously, with this week's review of the week. This week, I have Emily Collier98. She says, everything I needed in a pregnancy podcast. In a world that keeps trying to scare me as I approach the birth of my first child in April, this podcast provides me with a calm, realistic, and balanced perspective of birth. While I plan to do some things differently in my birth than recommended by the host, I have been provided with a wealth of knowledge, stories, and advice to help me make the best decisions for me. I have been binging ever since I found this podcast and I hope that I can get through everything before April. Thank you, Emily, for your um, awesome review. And also, I love the fact that you're able to listen to all these things and then create a birth that works for you. I hope everyone that is listening is right along that path, right? Everything that I say from on this podcast is information for you in order to be able to make an informed decision, but it should never be because I said or because I didn't say something, it should absolutely spark interest and ideas and creativity within your mind, hopefully making you thirst for a little bit more knowledge and then giving you the opportunity to be able and go and figure out a birth that's going to work perfectly for you. So I love, love, love that you've done that. And you guys, today's topic, as I get started here, I think this is a really good one and honestly something that we probably need to talk about a little bit more. And even some of that stems from my own experience, which I'll talk about a little bit within the episode. But I think there's a lot of mince information, especially when it comes to exercise while you are pregnant, but also postpartum. But I want to talk about probably particularly today while we're pregnant Um, and when we become moms, right? So we're carrying our babies, this extra weight 
we're instantly more conscious of how we're taking care of our bodies, right? We're like, what are we putting into it in the way of food and nourishment? How am I moving throughout the day? You're instinctively like you begin touching your belly and you notice all of the changes. Um, we, we love this little baby already and we want to do all the right things. Sometimes though, I think we just don't know what the limits are. And I think knowing that we want to keep our baby safe, we often do a lot less than we're capable of. And this is where I want to bring in Nicole Scheitlin. So Nicole, will you take a moment and thank you for being here with me, but will you take a moment and introduce yourself a little bit of background, maybe just, you know, personal life and that kind of thing, but also then jumping into professional life and what you do now. Yes, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. Hi, everybody. Um, Yes, my name is Nicole Scheitlin. I uh, run a business called Strong Mama Wellness, and I help women support their body with exercise and healthy habits so they can train for the demands of pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum. Because just as you were saying, Stephanie, our bodies go through so much, and we're given information or we're Googling information in order to best serve our body on this journey. And there's a lot of times we just don't know what's right and what's wrong. So I really became passionate about this. I've always, I've been in the fitness industry for about 10 years, but when I became pregnant was really what sparked my interest in this topic and just going through the journey and feeling like, what is safe? What's not safe? And as I dove into it more and really learned how exercise can support and serve your body on this journey so that you can actually decrease the amount of aches and pains or decrease the risk of that and really protect your body and also protect your baby and give them all the great benefits too. So absolutely love talking about this and I'm so excited to bust these myths today. Yes. Yes. So that was kind of um, a little teaser, right? Hopefully, I mean, you guys are going to see it within the <laughs> podcast title, but that's what I want to yes. talk about. We want to dive a little bit deeper and we want to talk about these top five myths of prenatal and postpartum exercise. So I will tell you that what I heard when I started having babies to what I was hearing during my, during my third pregnancy, and so there was like a six-year gap there, right? Um, was very different. And like in the space of six years, what I was hearing with first baby versus second baby. And now what you hear now is very different. And so when I was getting started, it was like, be really easy on your body, gentle movements, maybe some yoga, no heavy lifting, be very careful, right? Take it easy, that kind of stuff. And by my third baby, it was like, did you know CrossFit safe? And you can actually still ride a horse. And there were just like these random things that I was like, wait a second, you know, there's got the truth has to be somewhere in here. So I remember I purchased like a prenatal postpartum exercise program. And then it was like a semester one. She was the only one I knew at the time that was doing it. And I did her stuff and it was pretty gentle. Um, but, but that was like it. Um, and like I said, fast forward to baby three, CrossFit is a thing. I was definitely lifting weights. I could move my body. Like there, it was like much more than before. And I loved it. Like you were talking about, it's not just about how we're looking or, um, you know, it's really about taking care of our body physically and mentally, right? We know when we move our bodies, when we get our adrenaline and heart rate going, that we get benefits from that. And so if we're benefiting from that, so is baby because we're sharing a lot of the same things before. Um, So it's really healthy for us to be strong. And I think that's what it came down to, right? I felt strong and empowered instead of like this weak, weak, delicate little flower. Like I felt like I could do something. Um, And then I started thinking too, some of this is very cultural, 
right? Because I know that we have probably heard, I know that I've read stories and heard stories of women in other countries even, right? And it's like they don't have the time to be on bed rest and be careful with their bodies their whole pregnancy they work hard they are sometimes the breadwinners of their family or if they didn't work their families wouldn't survive and you're talking about women who go and do really hard things in the fields and they're out in the sun all day and um, you know I remember reading a story and I hope this isn't too off base but I remember reading a story about um, it was a gentleman in a I think it was like an army convoy or something and he's talking about seeing this woman in the field and he just happened to be looking at her and watching her she was working she like squats down in the time that this convoy was able to pass has her baby and puts him on her back and goes back to work and I mean the thought the like thought and process of all this because I'm like well what about the umbilical cord and like what about you know so like there's some other information there that I feel like was lacking but at the same time I'm like it's true women and and I'm not saying that this is like the gold standard, right? I believe that after a woman has a baby, she needs a little bit of time for rest and she needs some nourishment and she needs somebody to care on her. But I am saying our bodies are stronger than we give them credit for. And I think it makes us feel good when we start understanding that and we take care of them in a way that serves us and our baby. So let's jump into these five myths. Um, myth number one, why don't you take it away? I, I love you. I'm just going to let you introduce these things and I want to hear all about them. So what's myth one for us? Okay. Yes. Myth number one is that you can't start exercising in pregnancy or hearing that if you haven't been exercising before, that you shouldn't start an exercise routine in pregnancy. So that one maybe maybe is a little becoming a little more well-known today that you can, but I think it's sometimes just thrown out there a lot. Um, yeah. So the truth is that you can. Um <laughs> But it may not be the time to go into something like starting CrossFit or starting a HIT class or something like that. So it's just about being smart and starting light, really listening to your body um, because your body is so, so, so smart. And as you had already said, we are already so strong and so capable and your body is going to tell you exactly what's going on. Um, so... Starting off light, seeing how everything feels, you can absolutely start. So there, you know, science has proven that there are more rewards and benefits than there are risks, as long as you are, you know, keeping it safe and, you know, knowing your limitations. And that also goes for doctor's limitations as well. So if they've got like specific um, pregnancy specific um, limitations, restrictions, advice for you. Um, absolutely, 100% want to listen to that at all times. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, I love that. Um, especially because this is absolutely something that I know we hear all the time 
And I mean, it, I, like you said, it just everything kind of takes a little bit to catch up, right? With the amount of time that <laughs> a myth can be busted, I think. And I like that idea because I know I'm like, even when I talk to my students, it's like, okay, or or even I think too, like the um, the studies and stuff that are behind it, right? If you were working out prior to pregnancy, then you're less likely of having this and this and this. And you're like, you're more likely to be low risk if you've done this. And so it seems almost discouraging, like, oh, shoot, I just found out I'm pregnant, but I haven't been working out. So now I can't do anything about that. You know, that kind of sucks. And that's not true. And I tell women all the time, like, you should be moving your body for at least 30 minutes a day. You know, if you're not there yet, start with a 15 minute walk and get, you know, but your heart rate needs to get going. And especially this new blood volume and all this stuff, like it's actually really important for mom to be moving. And we tell them to do it, but then we're like, but yeah, don't start a new exercise routine. And it's like, so you can't build muscle now when you're pregnant. You can only lose it. That's silly, right? <laughs> so right. I love that you're like, be gentle, listen to your body. Um, don't jump into, I haven't worked out in five years and now I'm going to start with, you know, 30 pound weights and just go nuts. Um, but yeah. I think that you absolutely can be gentle and listen to your body. It makes me wonder if you have any recommendations for, and I know that we're going to talk about you and your, your personal things that you can offer women, but if you have any recommendations for how to make sure that you're taking a class that will work for prenatal or will take some of those things into account in case, um, or, or things that you need to look for in case the, the course or class doesn't take that into account, like what are you looking for as a mom that way? Yeah, absolutely. So I know it can be like a mental hurdle or discouraging. Like if you're in that place where you haven't exercised or maybe you're coming off of a rough first trimester and you're like, oh, I haven't done anything in so long. Like where can I start to build this back up? Um, you had already mentioned walking, which is always fantastic. And I think a lot of times we feel that walking like quote unquote isn't enough because we want to be maybe like sweating or we, we perceive like sweating a lot as like being a good workout. But truly walking is a great first step. Um, improves your blood circulation, um, gets your heart rate up. Amazing. Walking, prenatal yoga is another really good one. So if you have access to prenatal yoga classes, whether they are online or in a studio, um, those can, yeah, have a lot of amazing benefits too, while still being gentle, still like building a little bit of strength and working on the core and breathing aspect. Super good. And then kind of the last place I would encourage them to start is just with some light body weight strength trainings, just some like fundamentals. Um, during pregnancy is a really good time to start preparing for the activities of daily life as a mom. So picking things up off the floor, um, hinging over, like picking up the baby out of the crib or like changing diapers. So practicing movements like that, like squats, um, deadlifts. Again, none of this has to be weighted. I highly encourage strength training um, with my mm -hmm. folks that are, you know, confident with that and want to do that. Bodyweight strength training is also a great place to start though too. So yes, those are, those are a oh, couple yeah. places I think are really <laughs> great that anybody could have access to. Yeah. And that's something that I absolutely noticed as I like gained weight. It's like, you've got your own weight for strength training, right? <laughs> like my squats are going to be a little bit tougher because I've got a couple more pounds and I don't have to pick up a yeah. weight anymore. So plus balance and everything, but I'm with you on the yoga too. Yoga is probably my favorite thing to do when I'm pregnant and it's the breathing and the lengthening. You've got that relaxing so you can stretch farther than you ever have before. And just yes. all of it feels so, so good. So I love that. Really Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. 
Okay, so what's myth two for us? Myth two is that you should always keep prenatal exercise very light and easy. Now, (laughs) this one is up to personal preference 100% in how you're feeling in your pregnancy. And again, off of doctor's recommendations, of course, if they... You know, if you have a certain complication and your advice by your doctor is to keep it very light and easy, of course, we want to do that. If you are somebody who doesn't have that and enjoys exercise like HIIT training or strength training, that stuff is also proven to be safe and beneficial if we're doing it with Hmm. the proper precautions, of course. Um, So it comes out of personal preference, but I just want to say that if you are somebody who enjoys that, like myself, that is something that I think we're often told, like, I know that I was told by someone in my my doctor's office that, you know, don't lift over 25 pounds and don't get your heart rate over 140 beats per minute. And and those are, yeah, those are thrown out there a lot, I think. (laughs) So I don't know if you can relate to hearing any of that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, totally. And you are panicked about it. I mean, and I don't know. I feel like things move very quickly. I don't know, because I'm like looking at my Apple Watch and I'm like, we didn't have these like little random heart monitors with us all the time, but I would be constantly worried about it. Right. So like I do a little bit of an exercise and like sitting there checking my pulse. Like, is this OK? Am I going to harm baby? Like you really are as a mom, you're just you just want to do the right thing. So, yeah, I think it helps to have you know, evidence-based information for women that's actually useful so they can make good choices. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. And I think another like tool you can use besides like, yes, we have these fancy watches now and heart rate trackers and we love those. And at the same time, your heart rate, you can't judge your exercise by your heart rate in pregnancy just because of your increase in blood volume. Your heart rate is variable day to day. So it's not really a good judge of intensity. Um, so I like to encourage the RPE scale rate of perceived exertion. So if you picture a scale one to 10, 10 being the most strenuous, like you're exhausted lying on the floor at the end of a workout and one Mm. being like sitting on the couch, I always recommend not going higher than a seven, eight. So if you're for your higher intensity work, a seven, eight, you should still be able to like speak a couple sentences clearly in your workout, but not be entirely winded. So that's always a good way to like kind of check in with yourself mid-workout if you are working at higher intensity and wondering where you're at and if that is safe. Yeah, I like that much better, right? And and I think too, because I'm like smaller, like I have a higher heart rate period. And so I was very like panicky about it a lot, but that's what it came down to for me is I'm like, but I can still talk and I am not like on the floor wiped out at the end of my workout and it's not making me feel sick to my stomach. And, you know, those kinds of things I think obviously are a very, very good judge for us. So I love that. Yeah. You know what else I noticed about exercise? And you can tell me if this is something that you see as well. Uh, women that tend to be, this isn't always the case. So I know I'm going to have moms that are like, I tried so hard and it didn't help with this, but I think that exercise can absolutely help with things like nausea, right? Which seems so counterintuitive because you're like, I don't feel good and I feel so gross and I don't want to move. But then you start moving your body and you get things going and actually it can um, decrease things like nausea. So will you tell me a little bit about if you've had any experiences specifically with, with pregnancy ailments that have gotten better for exercise? 
Yeah, yeah, nausea, you can definitely work out some nausea with exercise. So I find it's helpful when you're not going up and down a lot. So if you're, you know, (laughs) staying upright for the most part and not doing things that are requiring you to like move your head around a lot. Um, But yes, exercise can definitely help to decrease the nausea. Um, One thing that may pop up is depending on where you're at in your pregnancy, sometimes we get like maybe a little lightheaded if we're not like properly fueled with food. So that's just another thing to look out for and have like a light snack prior to exercise. If you're finding yourself getting like out of energy or feeling a little bit lightheaded in that sense. So something to just kind of be mindful of. Do you have um, like pre-workout snacks that you recommend for pregnant moms? Because I know one of the things that we really encourage moms to do is have high protein meals and high protein snacks. And as far as I have seen, like, right, protein, carb, fat, including all three of those before a workout or any kind of physical thing seems to be really beneficial. Do you have any recommendations that way? Yeah. um, Fruit is always a good choice. So like, yeah, I I like to pair before a workout, fats tend to take a little longer to digest. So that can sometimes like weigh you down a little in a workout. It's not necessarily bad. Um, But if you're eating, let's say in like 15 to 30 minutes before a workout, something with little protein and a little carbohydrate is great. So I really like... um, cheese like a cheese stick and a piece of fruit or maybe some whole wheat crackers with um cheese or like a little maybe a little bit of peanut butter on it um so simple things like that keeping it light something that's easy to break down and digest is super beneficial to give you just a little bit of a boost without making you feel super weighed down during that exercise love it okay tell us about myth number three Yes. All right. Moving into myth number three is you shouldn't work your abs in pregnancy. So there's... <laughs> and I'm over here like, of... how do you work your abs in pregnancy? <laughs> so tell yes. me about this one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So we have to think about abs or core work a little bit differently in pregnancy. I, I love this one because I was a little hesitant too. I probably did traditional core work for too long in my pregnancy, something that I wish that I didn't do. Um, but we, it's so essential for so many reasons. Um, but beyond that first trimester, there are going to be some modifications required. So moving away from what we consider traditional abdominal work, like moving away from sit-ups, crunches, modifying our planks to an incline. Um, but for the most part, we want to be moving into core exercises that are done by way of breathing for the most part. Um, Mm. That's going to be hard to explain without showing you, but there's a way to breathe that we can really engage our deep core and our pelvic floor and work that inner core versus those more superficial like six pack muscles that we would work while doing crunches. So really learning to breathe in a way and position our body in a different way um, can be really, really beneficial for our core work. Does that help in in a sense? It does. I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit recently in the last couple years where they talk about that deep breath, like where you breathe it out and then you 
like pull it all the way back in and really have control over it. I assume you're engaging, like you had said, like your perineal muscles and things like there's a lot of interior work happening there. So I might just pull you on Instagram the week that this goes live and have you do a quick little like show everybody how to do this breathing. Cause I know that's going to be something that women are going to want to see. So that's super fun. Yeah, I would love to do that. And I think that kind of just a way that I can verbally say it is that, yeah, you're going to take a big inhale through your nose, expanding your belly and rib cage. And on the exhale, trying to pull your belly button up and in while also engaging and lifting your pelvic floor at the same time. So yes, I can hundred percent do this um, in a demonstration, but that's kind of a, like a verbal cue or walkthrough, if you will, of how that would be done. So when you are, cause I've worked with pelvic floor therapists before. And so I thought it was really interesting to me just when she was talking about my breathing, like when you inhale, your perineum should be doing this bulging or, or not. Right. And when you exhale, it should be pulling in. So is it the same when you're talking about this, you're like inhale and everything should be bulging downstairs exhale and it all pulls in and up like if you've got a string attached to the top of your head like you want everything coming up this way right yes yeah that's a really good visual yeah awesome (laughs) you're yeah because you're we don't often think about our pelvic floor as being a part of our core but it is like our core works as that entire unit so on that inhale our pelvic floor naturally is relaxing And on the exhale, nice forceful exhale, it's going to pull up. So if we are syncing that up with our core work, it's going to be really, really beneficial for your core and your pelvic floor. Yeah. And I don't know why those two things always seem opposite to me. Like if I'm breathing in, I feel like it shouldn't be pushing out. Like, I don't know. So I really get those mixed up. So I had to have a pelvic floor therapist tell me like, this should be relaxed right now. And, you know, and then you breathe out and it's, you know, and I'm like, oh, I I needed to connect those two things. So it was a helpful visual for me too. Um, Okay. Tell us about myth number four. Yes. So myth number four is avoiding all high impact activity in pregnancy. Um, Again, this one goes... This is up to personal preference, of course. If you don't prefer this type of activity, don't worry about it. But if you are somebody who likes to run and likes to do those activities involving jumping, um, it is technically presumed safe through the second trimester as long as your body is handling it well. So there's, you know, a lot of times we could be really nervous about it um, for not only our body, but for the baby as well. But what research has shown is that it is like through the second trimester, okay to do again, as long as your body is handling it well. So some of the things you really want to look out for, um, if you are doing workouts that consist of higher impact activity, um, is to look out for any sort of pain that might be popping up. So um, pain in your joints, pain in your pelvis, pain in your pelvic floor, because of course we've got that baby weight, that uterus now bearing down on the joints of our lower body, on the pelvic floor. So any pain, um, you should definitely start to think about refraining from that activity. Um, leakage is another one. So again, uterus and the extra baby weight bearing down on that pelvic floor. If we're noticing any leakage, that's also another warning sign to push pause and push the stop button on that type of activity. And then another are you talking warning sign. bladder leakage or like the 
the amniotic fluid leakage. <laughs> oh, well, I was thinking bladder <laughs> leakage and like fecal leakage, any sort okay. of leakage down there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yes. yes, amniotic fluid is a serious problem here. But if we're talking about the other stuff, I'm like, that just kind of happens anyway. So I don't, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that's where we were headed with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. It may happen anyways, but I would say we, you know, if it's, <laughs> If the pelvic floor is showing signs of weakness like that, we definitely want to yeah. use some caution. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. And then any pressure in the pelvic floor. So a lot of this is just the baby weight bearing down on the pelvic floor. If we're adding in that jumping, um, we're feeling any pressure. Um, we obviously don't want to strain that pelvic floor any more than we need to. So just using caution with those three things, um, pain, leakage, pressure, are always good um, things to keep in mind as you're going through activities that require jumping and, and, and running. But by the time you reach that third trimester, I always suggest to really keep everything low impact because by that time the baby weight is definitely growing and definitely putting more pressure and more um, strain on that lower body. Yeah. So would you, I have a couple questions that popped up just with this myth. Would you recommend yeah. for somebody who does really enjoy running or a little more high impact, could they move from something like running to the elliptical and be just fine? Yeah. Yeah. The elliptical is super low impact. Um, so yeah, still keeping up your cardio activity in that manner mm -hmm. is definitely useful. It won't be the exact same, of course, but it's yeah. another good way to simulate the running pattern. Absolutely. And there okay. are, there are, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. Finish that thought. And then I have one more question. Yeah. I was, oh boy, I forget the thought. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say there, there, there are women that run through their third trimester. I've seen Olympic athletes that have trained and ran in their third trimester. So it's not to say it's completely not for any, but everybody, but that's just kind of a general guideline that I like to help people with and to just use caution with that stuff yeah. past the second trimester. That makes a lot of sense. And I know for those of you that are listening, like it, obviously stuff like this, you absolutely want to bring it up with your provider. If you're somebody that has, um, oh shoot, what's it called when the placenta covers the cervix? My mind is going blank. <laughs> I know things. Placenta previa. Okay. Like if you're a mom that has placenta previa, you know, where you've got a placenta lying low, definitely, uh, you know, down by the cervix, you don't want to be doing something like running that's going to keep bobbing your baby's head onto your placenta. So there are those things, those cautions. And you had said this as well, right? Like make sure that you are, that your medical specifics are being discussed with your provider because there are those situations where these aren't good ideas. So <laughs> definitely want to add that caveat. And then my other question was, and I, I do get this question a lot and I don't know the exact right answer. Um, for moms that are looking to do a little more like the running in the third trimester or even second trimester, but they're feeling a little more of that, like bulging downstairs or, um, just heavier in the front. Do you recommend, um, like having a support band and do you have specific ones that you like better than others in that case? Yeah, I'm not familiar with the support bands as much. I do. I have heard of moms really finding them useful when wanting to continue running just so that weight, the baby weight, the belly weight is not bearing down on the pelvic, the pelvis, of course. Um, so it can be very beneficial. I would talk to your provider for special recommendations. Um, 
I personally haven't had much experience with them, I will say, but um, I would look to either a physical therapist or your provider for some specific recommendations on on that. But they can be very beneficial to helping you protect and, and, and feel really good when you're doing that activity. Okay. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Yeah. So let's hit up myth number five. What do you have? Yes. So moving into myth number five, we're getting more into that fourth trimester phase. So right after having baby. And this myth is that you have to wait until six weeks postpartum before doing any physical activity. So this one, of course, still is very much up to the discretion of your doctor. But when I am thinking about this, it's just a really good phase in that early postpartum phase to start reconnecting with your core and your pelvic floor. So not doing anything strenuous, not doing anything... um, that is going to put any strain on your body, but really comes back to that breathing that we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, when it comes to doing core work in a different way, it's really just about breathing. So this is um, just the way we want to set the foundation for movement again. It can really help not only with um, our movement day to day in daily life, but with um, our mental health as well. So just allowing that breathing and that mental time um, to allow ourselves to breathe, allow ourselves to relax, allow ourselves to have that little piece of our ourselves back and also while supporting our body in the healing process. So yeah. what this could look yeah, what this could look like is just some simple breathing um, and core and pelvic floor recovery exercises, um, pelvic tilts, heel slides, things that while your baby is in tummy time, you could also be having your own tummy time, I like to say. So um, it's not to say that all movement is off the table, of course, unless you're completely on bed rest, um, but very simple movements that could really help to assist in that healing journey. Yeah. I think too, something that I noticed for myself, and I definitely tell moms as well, is one of the ways, especially early on, that we can tell if we are overdoing it is if we find that our bleeding has slowed down and then we get a little more active and we're starting to have a little more bleeding than we would like or any kind of clots. So do you have any other markers for them during that six-week period that are like, these are your warning signs to <laughs> kick it back a notch? Yeah. yeah, bleeding is absolutely one. So I'm glad you shared that. And um, another one would be any pain or pressure in that pelvic floor area. So, I mean, if you have a a vaginal delivery, you may have that anyways, like just a little bit. But knowing anything that is maybe out of the normal or if something isn't healing up, you definitely want to be aware if there's any yeah, bulging down there in that area Um, could be a sign of some sort of pelvic floor issue. Um, those would be the top ones that come to mind first when it comes to that healing process. So bleeding, pressure, pain in that area. Okay. Love it. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about where we can connect with you. If there are moms that are like, yes, I love what she's saying. I want a little more support. Maybe I even some like one-on-one, will you tell us where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to connect with you, whether it's a question you have or exploring working together, but um, you can find me. I'm hanging out on Instagram most of the time. So I'm at Strong Mama Wellness and it's 
M-A-M-A -A for mama. And my website is strongmamawellnessco.com. So you can find me in one of those two places. Um, I would love to connect. And I'm so thankful for being able to chat with you here and for chatting with you, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you. Um, do you want to take a moment and just talk about kind of what you do for any of your one-on-ones or any extra things that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a couple freebies um, that I could introduce as well. So I do have a couple, I have a free guide called the ultimate guide to exercising in pregnancy. So if you are in that pregnancy phase and looking to understand a little bit more the do's and don'ts for every trimester in terms of what exercises, I have a little freebie guide on that. And then as well, I have a postpartum core recovery guide. So if you're looking for a little more support on some of those, um, myth five exercises that I tried to verbally give, but I do have a free guide on that. And then I work with clients one-on-one -on -one to support them wherever they're at on that journey to make sure they're keeping it safe, supporting their body and, and feeling good along the way. So those are just a few things awesome. that I, that I offer. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your knowledge and the joy that you brought to the podcast today about talking about some of these things. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.